I want to I preach this morning, if that's okay. If it's not, then we can close the service now, um, because that's really the last thing that's going to happen this morning before we bounce. I'm getting on the bouncy castle this morning, uh, because I, I, I'm not really. No, ever since I saw, and it doesn't matter, I'm not going to. Second Kings, chapter 13. And uh, I'm not going to read from the cannibal passage, 2 Kings 8.1. I'm going to read from 2 Kings 13. I'm going to read two verses. I touched on it on Monday night for those that came out on Monday night. But I want to, this is the word that I've had in my heart to share here. And I know some people might wonder, uh, do you just preach the same thing you preach in Modbury and, and not prepare something. I always wait on God for what he wants to say, but I also know that when we've got a couple of different locations now here, Taylor and Bend and Adelaide, I want to make sure that as a church, as I get a chance to speak to the church, I'm, they're hearing the same, the same word and it always comes out different and God always speaks to me about things specific to the service and the room, but sometimes you might go, well, is that, is that an old message? It's always something fresh in my spirit. And, and what we're going to try and do is be able to use the cameras here occasionally to, to be able to preach here, and then Modbury can watch live on camera what's going on in here. And, and so we're going to try it all, but that's, that's why. So don't, don't think Dave's just recycling messages. I'm really not. I steal them from the internet. <laughs> the whole thing. It saves, you'd be amazed at how much time it saves. <laughs> and my preaching's improved ever since I've been doing that. <laughs> Second Kings 13. I'm reading from the New King James, which is the translation that the Apostle Paul himself had. It says, Then Elisha died. By the way, the only reason I have the New King James is that's how I've memorised all my memory verses. I grew up on the New King James, so you just go with what you go with. Some people have the New King James, some have the Old King James, some have the NLT, the, the NASB, the MSG, which, which the message, and that actually tastes great in food. Uh, you've got the, the TPT, you've got the Amplified, you've got the TAB. That Bible, I don't encourage you to read the TAB. That's, wow, we're going well this morning. Second Kings chapter 13. Then Elisha died and they buried him. And raiding bands from Moab invaded the land in the spring of the year. So it was as they were burying a man that suddenly they spied a band of raiders and they put the man in the tomb of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood on his feet. That is a... That's a, that's a wild funeral right there. How was the funeral? Well, it started out fairly normal. Then a war broke out, so he had to get rid of Uncle Bob's body. So we put him in Elisha's tomb. He didn't think he'd mind. But the minute he touched the bones of Elisha, he, he stood upright. He, he was revived and he stood up. I, I believe that's a word for the church. We need to be revived and stand. Uh, in 2022, when, the, when, when society says to the church, we've got to lie down, keep quiet, keep our mouth closed, don't say what we believe, let's not offend anybody, let's keep safe. I think it's time we stand and be revived and let the church be the church of the living God, a church triumphant, a church full of the Holy Spirit, a church full of the anointing of God, boldly proclaiming the gospel of Jesus in the name of Jesus. Can somebody say amen? 
death touched God's power and he came back to life. I want to use for a subject this morning, revival in unlikely places. How many know that a tomb is an unlikely place for a move of God? But if you read all through Scripture, there's moves of God in unlikely places. In the garden, tomb of Jesus. In the lion's den. In the fiery furnace, Jesus unexpectedly turns up. And instead of three, there were four walking around when it was seven times hotter. They walked out without even the smell of smoke, having encountered Jesus and spending time with Jesus. In the winepress, Gideon. In the upper room on the day of Pentecost, a move of God breaks out that shakes the world. In the river Jordan, Naaman touches that water and he is healed by the power of God. His leprosy goes and healing comes. The anointing of God, the power of God, the Spirit of God, can move in unlikely places. I'm not, I'm not being smart when I say this, but Mount Parker is a pretty unlikely place, but why can't Mount Parker have a move of God? Adelaide's an unlikely place, but do you know for years, it was the epicenter of the church in this nation. Some of the great, for, for many, many years, the, the great churches, the significant churches were littered all over Adelaide. You had Stuart Street in the city. You, you had Bethesda out in the southwest. You had Clemsig that became paradise. And these churches were beacons and, and they were unlike any churches in other cities. There weren't churches like that in Sydney. There were there, there, there was some things starting to happen in Brisbane, but even Melbourne didn't have it. Perth didn't have it. We had we had churches that broke records and, and took ground and shifted the city and had a move of God. I know I'm yelling. I, I don't know how to stop. Sorry about that. But I'm believing God for a revival in this unlikely place. Uh, uh, in, the, in, in the Adelaide Hills, sure, I'm believing the hills will be alive with the sound of music. My goodness. Anyway, that was corny, but I've been, I practiced that in the mirror this morning. I was very inspired. Death touched God's power and came to life. When the natural comes in contact with the supernatural, something has to give, whether that's death. I don't know about you, but I, I'm believing God. There's going to be a move of God in some unlikely places for you, like places like, uh, like poverty and lack. That's an unlikely place, but I believe God can move in, in our lack and bring provision. In, 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 in a bad marriage, God can move. In financial calamity, God can move in hurt, rejection, betrayal, disease, loneliness, in sickness. I'm believing God wants to move in that space in the name of Jesus. Unlikely. What's an unlikely place? Oh, my kid's been badly affected by a situation. They're just not, they're not how they used to be. You can see something shifted in them. I'm believing God for a move of God in that unlikely place. I, you know, I, it's funny. Before I was a dad, I wanted to, I wanted to just have this great church and have a great ministry and just enjoy. You know, for me now, the greatest priority for me as a pastor is that my kids will serve God and your kids will serve God. I, that, that's everything after that is important. But I just want to see our kids in the kingdom because it's so important that we see God move unlikely places. In, in, you know, the Bible says where two or three are gathered, there He is. You know, that's conflict. People think that's like coming together as a church. And I do believe when we gather, he's there because he says that. But ultimately, he's dealing with godly conflict. That's revival in an unlikely place where two disagreeable parties who love Jesus come together and try and heal a wound. There he is. God can move in that space. That's an unlikely place. We think the move of God's right here at the altar. And it is. But the move of God can be in two brothers and sisters coming together and saying, God, would you do something? I'm believing God that we'd see revival in unlikely places. Oh, that's exciting. In Jesus' name. This story, 
in Scripture. It's a habit. I used to take my glasses off to see, but then my eyes got worse. Now I just can't see, so I need to put them back on again. <laughs> You're a lot better looking when they're on. But I look at this story and I think, why is it, why is it there? Or, or even I look at it and think, that's a great miracle. It's pretty awesome. My dad's a, an old tent revival preacher. I've seen him get up and start preaching about Elisha's bones and, and talk about how, how they, 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 there's still enough power in the bones of Elisha to raise a man from the dead. And, and he'd, pre- he'd preach on Elisha's bones and talk about this, oh, you need the Holy Ghost in your bones. And, and that was like his go-to sermon. And it was like, this is the, this is the message that everyone is going to love. And, and, and he'd get excited about it. And so I started reading this passage and realized this is not a... This is, not a, this is not a good story. I mean, there's goodness in it. But it's not actually the faith-building story that it could be. It's a, it's a great miracle, but it's far less than it could be. And you would say, well, how is that? I'll, I'll, I'll explain that in just a moment. But I really want to give you four things that you'll find in this tomb, in this unlikely place. Three of them are great. One of them is a little bit... A little bit not so great. And so we'll get in this together. I'll just teach this story a little bit, give some thoughts from it. And I'm believing God's going to yeah. I'm believing God's gonna do something. The first thing, number one, that you find in Elisha's tomb in this unlikely place is triumph. Somebody say triumph. triumph. That's where, where death gives way to life, where we have victory over the grave. And we still have victory over the grave. Through Elisha's death, this man had life. And through Jesus' death, you and I have yeah. life. Yeah. And so I said before, when, when death comes in contact with life, death has to bow its knee. When the natural comes in contact with the supernatural, something has to give. That's why sometimes when you pray for someone, the power of God touches them, they'll fall under the power of God. Or you'll pray for them and they'll be overcome with uh, their emotion. And, and we go, why, why are you so overcome with emotion? It's because their natural is giving way to what the Spirit of God is doing. That's why we've got to let the Spirit of God move and, and not just say... Lord, you have freedom to move. You can, you can move in this room. I don't, I don't allow him to move in the room. It's his room. Like, his, like some people go, oh, God would just show up. I pray that he's already, sh- we're the ones that should show up to what God's doing. Anyway, I'm, I'm getting on a, on a tangent. But I, I told this story on Monday night. So if, just pretend I didn't and, and, uh, and, and hear it for the first time again. Hayden Leo is in our church down in Modbury and he does all our maintenance on the property and does an amazing job and and Hayden, Hayden uh, his, his, uh, his dad uh, had a severe heart attack. They found some tumours on his brain on that last Sunday in September. So I'm flying home to Adelaide because I was away preaching and I get a text. My dad's in hospital and he outlined it. He's on life support, unconscious. To cut a long story short, he was at the Lyle McEwen Hospital. As soon as I got home, I said to Hayden, can I come and pray for your dad? And so... I didn't go to pray for the dad, really, uh, knowing the dad or having a relationship with the dad. I did it because Hayden's a guy dear to me, part of our church, and that's the job. You go pray. So went into the Lyle McEwen Hospital, prayed the prayer of faith, and, and just sort of spent a bit of time with the family, and I left. Then they had a meeting saying that, that, the dad, that his dad, Jeffrey, they're going to turn off the life support. He'll live between two hours and 24 hours, depending on what's going on in his brain. He may have seizures again. The seizures were happening as well as the heart attack. And, uh, and basically he had died, they revived him and, and they said, but he will live between two and 24 hours. But understand that turning off life support is he's going to die. They turn off life support, he wakes up hungry wanting lunch. Come on, 
and, and, uh, and then, I oh know, isn't that awesome? And then he says, and then, and then he says, I'm joining the church. Dave's going to be my pastor. It's unbelievable. And, and, and so that's what happened. And he just sort of had this big turnaround. Other side of the story, in our church, uh, in Modbury, our baptistry is on the side, like on that side under one of our screens. And, and so he was, it started leaking one Sunday morning. And all of our, like, the gear that runs all of this stuff is in a room like that on the side, but, but the water was running in, so those baptisms were, we had to get that, that thing undone as quick as possible. We, we were soaking it up using towels and everything, and, and so Hayden and, and another guy in our church, Joel Pittman, they decided we got, they're going to uh, reseal the tank, retile the tank to just get it working. It's 40 years old, so just get it working again and, and make sure that that doesn't happen. So he's doing it. And they did a beautiful job, just naturally speaking, but the whole time Hayden's praying. This is before his dad got sick. He's praying, Lord, let my dad get saved. Let him get baptized in this tank. And so he's working on that thing. I wondered why he was in there for so long, you know, but, but he took a while, but he's praying. Six weeks, the five weeks after his dad got out of hospital, we carried him into the tank. He, maybe three weeks ago, four weeks ago, on a Sunday night, he gets baptised in water. Very, very emotional. The beautiful moment. Gets, for the whole church, it was a beautiful moment. That was Sunday night. The following Saturday, unexpectedly, he slipped out of this life and into eternity. But isn't it amazing? Isn't it am- Man, I sense the presence of God when I talk about this. Isn't it amazing that God extended his life six weeks so he could get, hell could lose another one. And, that, and that, that's, you know, it makes me think of Noah's Ark. Sometimes we don't think about this, but the Ark was fully loaded. The animals were in, the food was in, Noah's family was in, the supplies were in. It was ready to go. That Ark was ready to go. God left the door open. Noah couldn't close it. He left the door open seven days. Why? So that anyone on the outside that would accept God could get on that Ark. But they didn't. They mocked. They, they, they jeered. They, they, they teased. And so they never stepped onto an open door that was right there in front of them. You know, we're living in the days, all the Bible prophecy has been fulfilled for the rapture of the church. We're living in the day where that trumpet of God could sound at any moment. Why has there been a delay? Because God's left the door open so that whosoever will would come. And I look at that story of Hayden and I go, what a miracle that he extended his life so he could get saved. You know, that miracle is happening right now as we speak to every living person, that the door is open and he's left it open that whosoever would come and come into fellowship with him. And when you do, we have victory. We don't have victory over natural death in the sense that we don't die physically, but we do not die spiritually. We, we, we might be absent from the body, but present with the Lord. When Billy Graham died, I don't know if you all saw it. On, it was on Facebook, social media, and the papers. It was a quote, words the effect of one day you'll hear that Billy Graham has died. Just know that's absolutely not true. He's actually more alive than ever. He's simply changed the dress. And you know, when I think about, when I, oh man, I love that. When I, when I think about it, when I take a minute to think about the fact that I'm in this world, but there's going to come a day where I'm going to breathe my last here. I know that I'm going to breathe my next in heaven, where the streets are paved with gold. The walls are of jasper. The gates are of pearl. The seas of crystal. Oh man, it's going to, oh man, it's going to be wonderful. I can't wait to get to heaven. I'm enjoying this life. I like this life, especially now that the weather's gotten better. (laughs) But I guess my question to everybody here today is what do we do with the open door that's before us? He's shown us that we have victory over death. In that tomb, there was victory over death, but because of the tomb of Jesus, because of the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, the door's open. Can I say, if you're here today, don't live 
Don't live the kind of life that plays marbles with diamonds. We, our soul and our eternity and our spiritual life is so important. You might be here today and you're wrestling. Do I walk with God? Do I not walk with God? Do I walk with God? Do I not walk with God? I want to encourage you. The door is open, but there comes a time where the hand of God closes that door. We need to live in victory over death. Getting saved doesn't stop you dying. It actually just means you're going to live. It just gives you greater life. He gave me a new life, something to live for. When I could have died, he gave me something to live for. I love that. I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new man. Old things have passed away. I've been born again more than a conqueror is who I am. We, we got to know. When, see, when you, get, when you got saved, you didn't, become a, you didn't become a better person. Like, I didn't get saved and just become, I'm like a better Dave. The old Dave's gone. He's dead. He, he, the Bible says, my old man is crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. We live with God on the inside of us. Hallelujah. That's good news. Do you believe that? If you do, clap your hands or something. You can give snaps for Jesus. Number two. Testimony. God does miracles and God keeps his promises. Elijah did 14 miracles. Elisha did 27 miracles. It sounds like double. Oh Lord, would you give me a double portion? 27 is pretty close to double. 28 is double. But most of us would settle for 27. I'd be pretty happy if I asked God, Lord, would you double the church? The church might be 100, but we get to 199. Oh, God, you did it. No, no, you, I made a promise that I'd double it. But we round up because we do that out of gratitude, but he asked for a double portion. He got close. But God says, God still had one more miracle to do, and it happened after he had died. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing to think? See, I love that. Even... God just has a way of keeping his promises. You might think your dreams are dead and buried and their bones in a tomb. You might think my hopes for my kids coming to Jesus are now bones in a tomb. That that dream's dead. Well, I'm believing for miracle number 28. I'm believing for a 28th miracle. I I, I feel like that. that, I wish I could make that a theme of my life. He's the God of 28, not 27. Some of you, you, you've had your 27th miracle and you've gone, ah, that's that's where it is. I'm believing for number 28. I'm believing there's still one more. There's still one more mighty miracle for this church, for the promises of God in your heart and in your life. He is a miracle-working God. Number, Number three. Then there's transfer. Or if you're from... South Australia, transfer. (laughs) The anointing's imparted. It goes from one to another. Went from bones and it went to this man and raised him. I believe the anointing's transferable. What's on us gets on others. See this? It's my hand. You got one too. And and, 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 and the anointing literally... By, by, by releasing power through faith out of your hand, releasing God's anointing, we can see miracles touching other people, right, yeah. touching hearts and touching yeah. lives in the name of Jesus. Our hands, there are instruments for the supernatural in Jesus' name. Transfer. The Holy Ghost will get on one and jump to another. I've got to keep moving, but number, number four. Then there's tragedy. And this is the negative one. No Gehazi. He was 
He was like the PA to Elisha. So Elijah had Elisha. Elisha's PA, or, or, or protege for better words, was Gehazi. When Naaman got healed, Gehazi ran to get the money that had been promised to Elisha, that Elisha said, I don't need that. And Gehazi ran after Naaman's riches rather than running after Elisha's anointing. And I believe that double portion that got on Elisha could then have got on Gehazi. Gehazi could have been the next Elisha. But instead he ran ran after something else and therefore the impartation of that anointing was never passed. And so the anointing that should have been passed on, and I don't know what 28 times 2 is, I think it's 50 something, 56. I'm I'm a preacher, not a mathematizer. (laughs) When that anointing gets on on, on us, it multiplies. You think yeah. when the anointing of Je- that was on Jesus got on the church, it multiplied by 120. Yeah. 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 But Gehazi, he wanted, he wanted the things of the temporal mm-hmm. instead of those things that were eternal. So he ran after the wrong thing. And then what happens is he totally short-circuited what God potentially could have done in his life. I think what we run after is so important. And I want, I want the anointing. You know, this is a crazy, a crazy thing to say, but it's pretty easy to prove biblically the anointing never leaves the earth. An anointing never leaves the earth. You think the anointing that was on Jesus, Jesus ascended to heaven, but that anointing got on the church. The anointing that was on Elijah got on Elisha. The anointing that was on Abraham got on Isaac, got on Jacob, passed on through, through the generations of faith. And, and that anointing was passed on. Anointings need to be, excuse me, they need to be passed on. I'm believing God that that anointing that's on us will be passed on to our teenagers, will be, will be passed on to our kids in kids' church. That, that I'm 41. You know, I'm, I'll be 71 soon. But I pray that these little kids, little ankle biters in our kids' ministry and in our parents' rooms, and I pray that one touch the power of God. Because I don't want what we have to be taken with us into the grave. We've got to pass it on. We've got to pass on the anointing. We've got to pass on the grace. We've got to pass on the power of the Spirit of God in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, I give you thanks for that. Can we just lift our hands and thank him for his goodness? I'm believing God wants to do something. Maybe, Luke, if you could just come and pick the guitar. And, and, uh, but I'm, I'm believing God that there, 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 there's, there's a son and a daughter that we can pass on our mantle to. And can we stand up right across the house this morning? I just want to pray. and I'm just believing God's going to do something. And part, part of what we're doing today is, is we're putting a stake in the ground for a whole new season right here in the Adelaide Hills. That God's going to do something. And, and that the anointing, I don't, be, I don't believe in generational curses. And I'll explain things. I, I certainly do outside of salvation. I think if you're not born again, stuff gets passed from generation to generation. But I do believe you either take on, the Bible says he saves to the uttermost. 
And so I believe in generational habits. I believe in generational stuff. And I do know when most people use words like generational curses, we're, we're really just saying that junk that's on mum and dad can get on kids in and out of salvation. But I think we've got to watch our language with some of that stuff because we're faith people. And we, we believe that when you get born again, you either get fully delivered and set free. And I mean, you might need some deliverance. You might need some stuff. But the whole point is I do believe in generational curse outside of salvation but I do think once you're born again you step into the bloodline you become a son and daughter of God and so it's a whole change so but don't get me wrong if somebody says that stuff I'm not I'm not I'm not like trying to fight them like it's, it's fine because I, I get the heart of what people are saying and and this stuff that can be in our families that we need to deal with in God and you know you, you, it can be yeah I won't elaborate too much on that but what I do believe in in Christ is generational blessing and I do believe that what's on Pastor Gary and Pastor Jane, you can, you can feel it in the life of the church. And, and you can even go so far back as what's on Pastor Keith and Wendy, what's on them has got on this house. We just don't want what's on them now to get on the house because they're at home with COVID. But <laughs> that's, a, that's true. <laughs> I was going to say it's a joke. It's not. That's, they're not here. Um, but we want what's on them in the spirit for yeah. sure. But we're going to keep passing it to the next generation. And, and I'm believing God that even Pastor Phil and Sarah, as they step into a season of leadership here. And, and we'll, we'll, we'll pray them in on the 4th of January, and it's going to be awesome. But I do want to pray over them today and, and just ask God's blessing. I'd love you to stretch your hands towards them. And, and, and I'm believing God that, that what's on this house continues. It continues in the name of Jesus. And I just wonder if we could pray, and, and Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I pray anoint them. Put your hand upon them. Let your grace be upon them. Let the power of God be upon them. Let your anointing be upon them. Let the rain of heaven be upon them. And Father, I thank you for what you're doing by your spirit in Jesus' name. Use them mightily up here in Mount Barker and in our state for the glory of God. Lord, I just pray a great anointing will come upon them in Jesus' name. Lord God, we call it in. We call it in Jesus' name. Lord, not, 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 not one grace on this church will be wasted, but God, it'll be passed and continue to be passed to generations that are to come, to our grandkids, to our children. In Jesus' mighty name and Father, we give you thanks and Father, we give you praise in the mighty name of Jesus. And the church said together, amen and amen. Come on, can we give the Lord a mighty hand clap of praise?